What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. If I knew that my kid's college coach was willing to cheat in one thing, then what else are they willing to cheat for? And then will they cheat with my kid? And if they'll do anything to win, are they going to play my kid when my kid's injured? So while it's really exciting to have your kid in conversations before legal dates, I still don't see the value. This is the Reform Sports Project, a podcast about restoring healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy. Hi, this is Nick Bonacore from the Reform Sports Podcast. Today I'm speaking with Don Williams, head of operations for Sports Recruiting USA, an organization that helps soccer players and their families navigate the college recruitment process. A former collegiate and professional soccer coach for over two decades, Don holds an MBA in sports management from Columbia Southern University. Passionate about helping kids find the right college fit, Don and I discuss headcount versus equivalency scholarships, the pros and cons of the transfer portal, and why parents should let their kids fight through adversity independently. Man, I am really, really excited. Another awesome guest. This gentleman and I, uh, we've got some history. We've built a good relationship through social media. Great guy. Tons of insight. Tons of experience. Can't wait to dig in with him. He is uh, one of the head honchos over at Sport Recruiting USA. Former head college coach for 20 plus years. My man, Don Williams. Don, thanks so much for hopping on, brother. Nick, I was so excited when you reached out to me. I just am such a fan of the Reform Sports Project. And uh, I tell people about it all the time. So just grateful for having me on, brother. I can't wait because you are, you know, you're living it. You've coached at every level, if I'm not mistaken, at the collegiate level. And we'll get into that here in a second. So you've seen it from a coaching perspective. You've seen it from a parenting perspective. And of course, now you work in the business of recruiting. And that is what I want to talk about here. I am one who sits here and says often, that I believe the entire youth sports ecosystem, in a way, is built around helping people or the recruiting process, right? It seems like travel or pay-to-play is geared towards exposure, getting it in front of the best players. It doesn't matter the sport, but but reach, getting exposure. 
What does it look like to you? How has the evolution of the recruiting process changed in the last 20 years? Oh, crud. Yeah. So, Nick, I started this whole journey uh, over 25 years ago. And, you know, I've coached Division Two, Division Three, NAIA, Junior College, short state coaching pro. Uh, my son played Division One. He's an ACC coach now at North Carolina State. And so as a family, we've been involved virtually at every single level in the country. And from the way it used to be to the way it is now, it looks like uh, a foreign planet. If somebody were transplanted uh, through the uh, DeLorean time machine from 1984 even till now, they wouldn't recognize the youth sports landscape today. And I don't even know where to begin, Nick. Uh, it's, you know, so similar to baseball. I know that's your thing. And I've got some, some guys, uh, uh, Lee Taft and some basketball guys that I follow a lot that really seem to get it. And I've got some friends of mine that are involved in hockey and, um, it's the same across all of our sports right now. This whole idea that you have to get on a plane in California and travel to New York only to seemingly play a team that's 30 minutes from your house uh, at some event, traveling to other sides of the country and parents are spending $10,000, $20,000 a year, all with the idea that their kids are all going to play for Stanford, right? Okay. So that's where I want to get into it, right? That is the premise, right? We got, it's this chase. Now, I feel like I've done this long enough. My oldest son has, has gone through the recruiting process. He'll be a freshman at college next year. And having done it myself a, a lifetime ago, um, I understand the landscape's changed and now I've seen it firsthand. But I feel like the youth sports or, or the recruiting scene gets a bad rep today because it seems like a lot of people get the wool pulled over the, their eyes. It seems like uh, everyone can go to Stanford, right? Using that as an example. If you just do this, you can get a D1 scholarship. But you're a big advocate like I am a find the right fit. I want you to tell me, like, what does it look like? I guess you can talk about soccer. How do you know if you're a power five potential recruit? How do you know if you're a mid-major D1 or if you're D2, D3? How do parents and kids figure that stuff out? Well, you know, we talk about assessments all the time. You have to have somebody watch you that doesn't necessarily have a dime in the game. Maybe I should start it this way. Look, in soccer, at least... I think you, being a baseball guy, could walk out to a youth soccer match, and if there was a kid who was an unbelievably phenomenal athlete who was dominating the game, you could recognize that kid. I, I would agree I with you. I think that's the easiest part of the scouting and assessing process is recognizing the one true standout talent that could play at any level in the country and will likely, if all things go well, go on to the pro level. That part's the easy part. And the problem is, is that the vast majority of kids in this country, in sports, in all sports, don't fit that one quarter of 1% mold of that kid. They fall somewhere below that. You also could easily pull out the bottom 10% where kids that just don't look that coordinated. They just don't look like they have it together. Their first touch isn't very good. You can spot those kids. So we're really talking about the ones in the middle. We're talking about the 80%, 90% of the kids that are left in the middle. How do they know what is 
the highest level that they could possibly play at, right? How do they know? And that's the hard part. That's the part that everybody's trying to figure out. Um, and if a kid can put themselves into a position where a coach does an assessment, so it could be at a tournament, uh, could be at a camp. And if that coach honestly looks at you and assesses you, and then if you're of recruiting age where they can come and talk to you, so we're talking about in soccer, we're talking about uh, June 15th after your sophomore year, so going into junior year, and they can talk to you and they are not pulling you aside and going, so what are you thinking about going to school? What do you think about our campus? What would you think about coming here? And they aren't having those conversations with you, then you're not being recruited. It's an answer. No is an answer, by the way. It's an answer that parents don't want to hear and kids don't want to hear. But no is an answer. And not talking to you is an answer. If you're, it's funny, kids are out of camp. They told me I was the best player at the camp. Well, yes, but you have to understand that college camps are, by NCAA rule, not invitation only. Sure. Anybody can sign up. So you get a kid that can't kick a ball. Not very good competing against a kid who might be very good, but then we start to go, well, yeah, they're very good, but are they very good because they're very good? Or are they very good because of who they're playing against that aren't very good? And it can be difficult for a coach to tell the difference. So then they go, all right, send me your club schedule. Let me go see you play against better teams with better players. And then we can see where you sit. That's why this gets drug out so much. And it's because a kid doesn't stand out over and above everybody else. They're not clear-cut standouts. So the, clearly, you know, if a school's not reaching out to you, if a coach isn't showing interest, or on the flip side, if you're only getting looks or recruitment interest from Division Two, Division Three, NAI, whatever, it doesn't matter, then that should be pretty indicative of what your talent level is. Does the old adage, if you're good enough, they'll find you, is that still the case or is it just not the case anymore? I don't think it's the case anymore. It used to be the case when uh, rosters were more regionalized. Soccer, unlike unlike baseball, I don't know, if maybe it's changing in baseball too, but soccer has become such, uh, especially on the men's side, such an international uh, draw for coaches to be going after kids that, you know, the kid that we think is going to be the Herman Mack trophy winners from France, right? When you look at the All-American list, it's virtually all internationals. So that part's just not holding true anymore. It used to be that rosters were more regionalized. Kids played regionally uh, in all of our sports. The regional winners went on to play other regional winners. And so coaches knew to go to the regional events and then knew to go to the national events. And there weren't five, ten different events going on around the country like there are now. So I just don't think it holds true as much as it did uh, back in the day. There's still some truth to it. If a superstar player comes out of Minnesota all of a sudden, the whole country kind of hears about this kid, including the U.S. national team, by the way. Sure, okay. Including the U.S. national youth teams. So... Yes, it can happen, but I think to utilize that as a rule anymore is is probably outdated. So you're you are sport recruiting USA. Sports recruiting USA. Sports right. recruiting mm-hmm. USA. I want you to tell me because because I know on the baseball side there are there are services like and I'll drop their name on NCSA. Um, there are 
there are advisors, like individuals who work with families and certain individual players, and they help those players uh, from you know start to finish. You know, organizing camps, whatever. They're, they act as an advisor uh, through the recruiting process. What do you do? What are the differences? Because you know, people are. I think that first thing people do is they go, I need to create a profile and go on NCSA. Like I, I only mention them because I feel like everyone knows NCSA, but I also have heard some things like some of these larger brands, you know, college coaches that I speak to are kind of like, eh, you know, it kind of takes some of that stuff with a grain of salt. Can you kind of break that down a little, dig in? Yeah. So the whole idea that I had when I started this in 2018, I didn't start the company, but I joined in 2018 was coming at this from a college coach's perspective. And that is the problems that college coaches have is this. Will the kid get into the school, right? The days of a 2.3 GPA kid uh, somehow being able to get into uh, uh, Stanford because they're an incredible player are over. Okay, I think the the final straw that broke the camel's back was the UCLA recruiting scandal. Uh, and I think it really set everybody on their ear and schools have become much more legit about kids being able to get into school. So does the kid fit in here academically? Does the kid really want to be here? Does the kid really want to play for my program? Can the family afford school? Uh, that's the other part. You know, sports like baseball, soccer, uh, track and field. These sports are uh, not headcount sports like sure. football and basketball are, right? Now, what is, some people don't understand, headcount sport, what is that real quick? Okay, so football has, I'm going to have to make up a number. I think it's like 85, exactly. I think it's like 85. Okay, 85 scholarships to give out. So if they give out $1, they've given out a full. Well, nobody's going to come to the school for a dollar. So clearly they're just going to give out the full. So that means housing, tuition, books, and food paid for. All of the other sports are all dealing in a pot of money and they can dish it out whenever they want. So I don't know, at Cal State East Bay, we had a pot of money that was like uh, 35, 40,000. So one kid would get five grand and one kid would get 500. One kid would get a thousand. One kid would get zero. Then we would reward our All-American senior with a full ride by the time they were a senior, right? And we would reallocate the money annually based on performance. Um, until the money was gone. So every sport works like that, except football, basketball, women's volleyball. There's only like four sports. Oh, gymnastics, women's gymnastics. Those are headcount sports. The rest of us have to deal with just a pot of money that we give up. And by the way, some schools have very small pots of money. So that's it's full, is that a, there's a something being fully funded versus not, right? Yeah. So I use... UMass Lowell and UMass Amherst is two examples. One has like six scholarships and one has two. Same state, same system, but the president of the school decides how that money is going to be allocated. So if you've got two scholarships to give out, look, nobody's getting very much here. You've got to want to be at our school badly enough to pay like every other student pays. All right, so at the end of the day, when you compare what sports recruiting USA does versus the competition, is it end to end? Are you, you know, you're trying to find the right fit from a student athlete perspective? It's all encompassing, right? Well, A, we're invitation only. So we're one of the few companies on planet Earth that are invitation only. You can't buy your way into this company. You could not throw money at me and say, now I want to be an involved. And then I go, yeah, we'll take you. We have a hundred scouts going out to tournaments all over the country. 
and not cold calling on kids, but kids have to ask us to assess them. And then we tell them, ah, look, we really think that this is the level that you're going to be at. Yeah, but what about Notre Dame? And what about North Carolina? And what about Stanford? Yeah, but we don't believe based on our experience that that's where you're going to end up playing at. We don't think that your soccer abilities match that school. Now, your academic abilities can get you to these sets of schools. And then out of those sets of schools, these are the schools in which your soccer abilities match. We can make that happen for you. We can connect you with those schools. And we just approach the coaches directly because what we've done now is we've, by the time we are promoting a kid out to schools, Nick, we've actually done most of the work that the college coaching staff, the assistant coaches normally would do. We've got their transcripts. We know their majors. We know their budgets. We know that they want to be at these schools. Now it's just a question of, hey, coach, if you like this kid, this could be a quick done deal for you. Very interesting. I mean, and I've experienced this. I have some relationships with some coaches that, you know, I played for or whatever. And if I were to say something, it carries a little more weight because they, they know me personally. Is that That's all we're talking about? So, That's so your relationships is what, is what we're talking about. Relationships. So we'll go to the convention uh, in Philadelphia and uh, we will sit down with a few hundred college coaches. They're telling us their needs. We're handpicking the players that we've got left for 23 and then going into 24. And we are saying, these are the ones that we think could be a fit for you. What do you think? Then they don't have to vet through 200 kids. They only got to look at six. And then if out of those six, they like two, then they will directly just contact those two kids. Very interesting. So. I would imagine you have to have people at times beating down your door. How do you navigate that? Uh, yeah, I have to be honest. Uh, it's, it can get daunting, uh, but we have a staff, right? I mean, that's, I, can't, I can't do it. In fact, I personally have cut back on handling 50 clients a year to handling about 25 because I've uh, got a company to run. So we've got staff members that are all college coaches now here in the U.S. and in, and in Canada. Um, and in Mexico that um, are going out and doing that work for our company as a staff. So we've got enough manpower to handle about 300 kids a year. Um, and that's about what we do. And then the rest of them, uh, a lot of kids that we just have to say, your best chance is just to go to whatever your local community college is and build something for yourself. And, and that's your best chance if you want to play past high school. Because uh, this is not a knock on junior colleges and saying they're just at the bottom because it's not true. There are junior colleges out there that are national championship level where those kids are going on huge percentage of them to good Division One programs. Um, but there's so many junior colleges in the country. There's almost a thousand. And there are quite a few of them that literally are neighborhood teams, right? Built up of just the high school kids from that area. And if you're the better kid from your high school, then you probably have a chance of making those rosters and getting a chance to prove yourself. But frankly, you're not ready as a player to take off and and play at the four-year level yet. So to shift gears, but I think one feeds the other. When you look at the, the, the state of youth sports, and it seems like every week there's, in baseball, it's a little odd, I believe, where you can't call on a kid as a college coach till they're I think they're going into their junior year or like whatever the case is. But yet you see kids verbally committing to colleges when they're in eighth grade at times, you know, ninth grade. 
And I have talked to people and know that a college coach can't call the kid, but the kid can call the coach and have a conversation that way. Like it's completely fine. As long as the phone call is from the kid calling the coach, they can talk. It's really strange to me, um, but it happens all the time. It just seems like it's getting younger and younger and younger. How is it in soccer? Is it, is it younger and is it, is it in the best interest of the kid at, at, when you're looking at it from those ages? Well, at least in soccer, and I don't know how other sports work, I, th- I really thought it was an NCAA rule across the board, that if a kid calls a college coach and he's in, I don't know, eighth grade, the coach has got to say, shut up, get out of here. I can't talk to you. They're not supposed to be having those conversations at all uh, until June 15th of the kids going into their junior year. So we have found that, I think it was 2019 that the NCAA came up with that rule and it has curbed the uh, the recruiting timeline, certainly. And, and I think more coaches are behaving. Uh, there are coaches and club coaches who have very close relationships. And there are kids that on June 15th have committed. Well, how does that happen <laughs> yeah. if they couldn't have a conversation with these kids legally? It's because they were doing it with third parties. Now, yeah. this is very personal, but I have, as a parent... If I knew that my kid's college coach was willing to cheat in one thing, then what else are they willing to cheat for, right? What else will they cheat? And then will they cheat with my kid? Will they do things that aren't in the best interest of my kid? And if they'll do anything to win, are they going to play my kid when my kid's injured and they shouldn't be playing my kid? Are they going to cut deals with trainers? Are they going to jeopardize my child's health, welfare? Are they going to look after my kid's mental well-being if they only care about winning? If they're willing to bend and cheat and break the rules for winning in the name of winning, what else are they willing to do in the name of winning? So my warning is to parents out there, while it's really exciting to have your kid in conversations before legal dates, I still don't see the value. Because we all have to remember that a verbal commitment means nothing to the NCAA. It means nothing to the school. And if that coach leaves, if that coach changes their mind, if that coach changes the terms of the deal, if anything like that happens, there's no recourse on the parents. There's no recourse on the kids. This is just an agreement between you and, by the way, not the school, but you and that specific coach. And coaches move all the time, Nick. They move every year, hundreds of them. When we return, Don and I discuss the importance of understanding that athletic scholarships are typically only a one-year commitment. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. (sighs) Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. 
Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome back. Where we left off, Don and I were about to talk about the transfer portal and why he encourages students to stay at their college for at least a year before transferring. So so the verbal commitment thing, right? Everyone wants to come. I'm committed. I'm committed. I'm committed. And I love how you touched on that because, I mean, I've heard the stories. I've, you know, I've seen it and I, I, I've heard them from both sides. Like, you know, you commit as a ninth grader, you know, and a coach encourages you. You know, and I get it. You know, if, if you're 15, 16 years old, hell, if you're a parent of a 14, 15, 16 year old and your kid is, you know, told we want to commit you, uh, whatever the case is, and, and there's going to be this scholarship. Well, they don't realize that if your kid doesn't develop and is not on the right track, that there's nothing binding. Like either party can walk away from. It. I don't think that people fully understand what you're saying there. I don't think people understand. Or do they just get so consumed in the instant gratification? How do parents navigate that, resist the urge to let their kid come, even though we're talking about a small percentage, but how do you resist the urge to go through that excitement at a young age? Uh, The advice that I give to parents is that if your kid is good enough that that school wants you now as a, let's say, just graduating sophomore, they're probably still going to want your kid at the end of the junior year too. Will the money be exactly the same? Maybe or maybe not. But understand that if your kid proves themselves, especially with the advent of the transfer portal, if your kid proves themselves and that coach doesn't reward your kid, they know that they could lose maybe their best player or one of their best players. So the money generally in college is going year to year anyhow. It's only a one-year commitment, a one-year contract that you're being, that you're signing. So the coach is going to be reallocating money next year anyway. So if you can get through year one financially as a parent, then your kid could be taken care of years two, three, and four. What do you think about the transfer portal? Well, it, it is the best thing and the worst thing all at the same time that's ever happened. I feel like so the reason I say it's the best thing is because coaches used to be able to go, I don't really like you. You really don't like me, but you are a very good player and you are helping the team. We don't get along. We don't see eye to eye. So the kid goes, I want to transfer. And the coach goes, nope, not signing the paperwork. So the kid goes to the AD and the AD says, nope, not signing the paperwork. So there is an appeals process. 
you have to go through the appeals process. But let's face it, by this time, we're acrimonious, right? We're fighting each other. It's like going to a lawsuit uh, with each other to try to get yourself released. So nobody wants to go through that. So kids would just stick it out in a very uncomfortable situation for the rest of their careers. That's not healthy. On the other hand, now the pendulum has swung the other way. Uh, I'm still, no, I'm away from home and I'm not really comfortable here. I've been away from home now for six months. I'm just going to transfer. Uh, baseball, I've always been a little bit jealous of, by the way, Nick, because these coaches have a fall ball. And they could really test these kids out before they have to throw them into the fire of spring ball. That's a great point. And You're soccer, right. Soccer, soccer. They're just reporting. Look, I got this 18 year old kid. I don't even know who they are. They don't know who I am. And they have to compete at a very high level immediately as a freshman. Uh, baseball's got a big advantage on this, on this end of it. Uh, and so these kids are staying at a school. We see kids going into the transfer portal. Uh, before the new rules, now we've had another new rule change, and we can go over that real quickly, but um, these kids were out of school for six weeks, eight weeks, and then deciding they don't like it already. Well, come on. How many of us walk into a job and are king of the hill in our new job in the first six weeks? You got to give it time, yeah. yeah. It just takes time. And every kid, look, having been through this as a parent with my own son, uh, having been through this as a coach for over 20 years, uh, this is the scariest time of a freshman's life. They, they are now away from mom and dad. They have nobody to take care of them. The excitement wears off after two, three weeks. The fear begins to set in. If they're not starting right away, it makes it doubly hard because they probably have been a starter for their entire careers. Um, and, and they have no friends. They've got to make new friends. The seniors and juniors can make things very difficult on them at times, sometimes intentionally, sometimes not. But having to deal with, as an 18-year-old, 22, 23, sometimes 24-year-old men and women is very scary, very intimidating. The things that they're talking about, you have no idea. It's just, it's a very hard time in a young person's life. And you do have to give it time and you do have to be patient and you do have to kind of wait your turn to be able to play often. And a lot of these kids nowadays can get into the portal so easily. You know, you don't even need the coach's permission. You don't even need to tell your coach. By rule, you walk into the compliance officer, you go, I want to transfer. I think they've got 24 hours to get you into the portal after that. And so that's it. Wow. Uh, and, I didn't know and kids that. are running. They're running to it. And, uh, yeah, it's bad. Uh, it's bad because I don't think a lot of kids are giving it a full, honest-to-goodness go. We try to talk all of our clients if they feel like they need to transfer into giving it an entire year and quite often try to ask them to give it going into their sophomore year. Because your sophomore year, just think back to high school, all of us. If you've never been to college before, think back to your how you felt your sophomore year first day compared to your freshman year first day. That's a great point. You're not point. the bottom of the ladder anymore. You're not scared to death anymore. You kind of know what they spent. And you can see this massive change. My last, my last gig for the last eight years of my career, Nick, was at a junior college. So night and day comparing freshmen to sophomores. And a lot of kids that, you know, scoring two, three goals their freshman year come in and they light it up for 15, 20, 30. Their sophomore year, uh, they just, they're more comfortable from day one. 
and kids aren't even giving themselves their opportunity to get to that point in life before they say they want to transfer. What can we do as parents to put our kids in the position so that they go into college, uh, whatever, if they're going to be an athlete, if they're not, forget about just college. How do I prepare my kid for the next level, right? You know, I got my oldest is 17, he'll be 18 in, in, in June. My youngest will be five in August, right? So, so I, I got, I got a bunch of kids, man. I got and I had a wide spectrum. So how do I make my five-year-old ready for kindergarten next year? How do I make my 18-year-old prepared for college? Like, I have to allow them to experience things good and bad. I have to allow them to struggle, allow them to fail, and not coddle them so much. What are ways in which you would recommend parents prepare their kid for the path? Prepare your kids for the college path. Well, you know, it's just some of the youth travel thing isn't all horrible. Your kids have to play against good level competition, right? You don't want to be the best kid on your team dominating all of the time at every single level because there's no growth, because there's no failure. You have to be able to allow your kids to fail. You've got to be able to put your kids in situations where they are uncomfortable and where they fight their way through it and without your help, right? Just them and their coaches and their teammates and they're fighting their way through adversity. So that's the first step. Then the next step is once they start to thinking about college and they think they want to play, I'd like every parent to try this exercise with their kids. Can you, for 15 minutes, put aside names of schools, labels, and divisions? Can you just put that aside for a minute and talk to your kids about what experience they want from college? What is most important to them? Real quick example, my own son gave up the degree that he thought that he wanted, which was kinesiology because he wanted to be a college coach. He gave up being closer to home, which was his original option, playing for Sonoma State University, who had just won the Division II National Championship. Very good level. And he ended up, he went to England for a couple of years, but he ended up going to school at St. Francis and Loretto, Pennsylvania, and going for a marketing major because all he wanted to do was be a college coach. That's what he wanted out of his life. And so his goal was really to get with a college coach who could help teach him what it was going to take to be a college coach. And then any degree would work, really. There are college coaches with English majors. Any degree would work. As opposed to the kid who says, I want to put rockets into space. I want to literally be a rocket scientist. That kid is a different kid than my kid. Their experience out of college, there is no compromise there. You aren't going to go get an English degree and then put rockets in space. You have to go into engineering and rocketry. So what those kids want out of their experience, size of the school matters to some kids, Nick. Some kids need to have, they have an engine that thrives a big city environment. And when they get out of that, their engine doesn't work the same. Other kids, the big city environment scares them to death. I have a girl that went to New York City. We put her LIU because that's where she wanted to be in Long Island. That was her goal. She ended up being uncomfortable there. It didn't work for her. Now she's back at a D3 school in Ohio and very comfortable. Why? Because it wasn't her engine. It didn't match her vibe, her motor. It didn't match. Um, and then do I want to go into debt? Is this something that I want to do? Am I willing to go 10 grand, 20 grand, 50 grand, 100 grand into debt 
for the degree that I want from the school that I want and getting the soccer experience that I want? Am I willing to do that? Is that what I want? So ask your kids, what experience do you want? And think about every minute detail you can think of from what's the weather going to be like in January, February, March, right? Am I going to play on turf or grass? Uh, Am I going to play in a big stadium or am I going to play in a local community rec field? There are Division One programs, by the way, that don't have their own soccer field. They go play on a high school field down the road. So the divisions don't tell us the story, but the experience tells us the story, Nick. So if you can get our parents to understand that they need to help their kids break down the bits and pieces of the experience of what they want from college, that will give them a much better idea of the types of schools then to go after. And they might find that a Division three school has a more affordable or a Division two school has a more affordable education, has a better education in the major that they want, gives their kids the year-round experience that they're looking for, and gives their kids maybe the ability to play right away. Maybe that's the decider, right? Uh, I really want to play my freshman year. Well, that's less likely to happen at UCLA than it is going to happen at uh, your local Division three or NAIA school. I love that, man. That is absolute freaking gold. Don, where can people find you? How they can, can they connect with you um, and follow what you? Because you put out phenomenal content. Nick, I'm a loudmouth on Twitter. Hell yeah, Don I love it. Underscore K, underscore Williams. I'm all over the place all day long. My wife hates it because uh, I never put my phone down. Uh, you can catch us on Instagram, same handle. Uh, you can catch us on Facebook. We have two college soccer recruiting Facebook groups, uh, Sports Recruiting USA for college soccer advice. We're answering questions. Podcasts, Inside College Soccer Podcasts. You can find us all over your local podcast providers. And uh, yeah, and then my email, don at srusasoccer.com. Super pumped to have connected with you, Don. Thanks for coming on and sharing, man. You're the, uh, this is awesome. Nick, it is honestly, it is my pleasure. You are the man. Your Reform Sports Project is catching on. Uh, and I will continue to be one of your biggest fans and promote you. You're the man, brother. I appreciate you, Don. Thank you so much. That's Don Williams. Head of Operations for Sports Recruiting USA. Thanks for listening to the Reform Sports Project podcast. I'm Nick Bonacore, and our goal is to restore a healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy. For updates, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or check out our website by searching for the Reform Sports Project. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. 
This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.